Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that aims to hold space for conversation to be had about working with fiber within ourselves and our communities. You're listening to episode 32, and this week I spoke to Kink Knit. Kink Knit combines two things that you might not have thought about combining before, or maybe you have, like many folks who've gotten in touch with them on the internet, kink and fiber. Which, when you think about it, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Interest in fibers and interest in ropes, interest in tying of intricate knots. After all, knitting is just a series of knots, isn't it? We talk about how Kink Knit uses kink, yoga, and an active fiber practice in their management of their chronic illnesses, and how even when their body wouldn't cooperate, they were still so fundamentally a spinner and a knitter at heart. What I love so much about this chat is how we're talking about something that is kind of taboo and not often talked about, especially in the fiber arts community. But it makes so much sense sense when Kinknit explains the parallels between these communities that they've noticed. My intention with the podcast is to present people as their whole selves. And I love that we got to talk about all the ways that Kinknit shows up to the world as themselves, unashamed and proud of all of the elements that make them uniquely them. If you're new to the Close Knit podcast, I just wanted to say hi and thanks for showing up. I'm Ani and I run this podcast. Like me, this podcast is a constant work in progress, and I'm always looking for ways to make it better, to produce content that people are interested in hearing, and holding space for, for more folks from differing backgrounds. I'm making this podcast because I want to call attention to folks who are doing the work in this community, who might not always be given as much attention as others in positions of privilege and power. It's really important to me to hear from folks in our community about how fiber has personally impacted them and how they use it to process world and life events. If you or someone you know would be a good fit for the podcast, send them my way. And if you think I could be doing better, I could be more inclusive, my language could change, please let me know. I want this feedback and I want to be working on improving this podcast <laughs> on improving this podcast always. Thanks so much for tuning in. Listen on for my whole chat with Kink Knit. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Kink Knit. Hey! Hello! I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here. I feel like we're just both looking at each other like giggling heaps and being super nervous, like a couple of little school (laughs) kids. (laughs) Like, how is this actually happening? I know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I don't have a recollection of how I found you originally, Um, but it's just that funny thing of like seeing somebody and like also someone who's very vulnerable on the internet and like spending all this time kind of connecting in this internet space and then being like hey don't tell but I think you're great or maybe do tell and then being like oh but I have a thing like I run a thing on the internet and the world that I really want you to be on (laughs) will you please talk to me (laughs) that was definitely a a moment getting that email and I was like I don't I don't know what I do what do I do that merits this like oh but so I'm so excited that you know this is a perspective that can be heard about as weird as the combination is of kinky knitting <laughs> it's so good so you you self-identify as as a kinky knitter a submissive spinner and a fiber fetishist is that right yes and then <laughs> There, there was, so that's like listed on my Instagram, and then I also have another little kind of catch line that's um, mm-hmm. hypodermic and high a needle lover, 
So one of my kinks is needles, and so I play with a lot of hypodermic needles. Um, but I like sharp, you know. So overall, I like sharps because I knit with Haya Haya sharps needles. You know, and sharps oh. being another word for hypodermic needles. I get this now. Um, okay, yes, yes. <laughs> and then once Haya Haya liked a couple things on my page, I was just like, "What life made?" Like, yes, thank you. Like next, this is next level. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Yes. Um, I might just jump in with the usual podcast stuff and then see where we go from there. Awesome. Cool. What's your fiber of choice and what sort of craft medium do you gravitate towards the most? Ooh, so I actually have two, like I have my new two thigh pieces, tattoos that I got this year, and Mm. they are my two favorite breeds of wool to spin. So... On my left thigh, I have Mr. Merino, um, and then on my right thigh, I have Mixed Tarji, which is a non-binary sheep because they're non-binary sheep too. They're all—they're not all male, female. Um, <laughs> so those are my two favorite wools that I spin with, and uh, and so I spin and I knit primarily, and those kind of are like the two competing things that um, take up my time and. I don't know which one I gravitate more towards, but they make a pretty good tag team. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're spinning on a on a wheel? Yeah, so I have I have actually I have three wheels total, which is too much. But uh. in my apartment <laughs> I have two. Um my mm. kind of main workhorse is my uh my shocked reeves. And then my plying, I, I tend to do more on um, the wheel that I think we both have, the little cute polywog yeah. by Spinolution. Yeah. Um, it's so, that so means, cute. <laughs> yes. And like uh, the shock is a double drive. And so kind of, you know, taking the bobbins in and out takes more time. And if you're just plying stuff, you know, and the tensioning is a little bit different. So the polywog is kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, the fast and dirty, like trying to, you know, ply things real quick. Yeah. And, of course, to be able to actually take it anywhere. Yeah, that's right. That's right. How much bigger are your other wheels than the Polywog? Are they portable at all? No, they're yeah. not portable. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Reeves is large. You'd, like, to, to transport it would be in, like, an expedition. That's the car my parents have. Oh. But, like, anything smaller, <laughs> like, you know, you'd have... You know, you can't really fit it in a back seat easily, gotcha. so it's not going, you know, anywhere immediately. I didn't immediately place that it was a car, a type of car, when you said expedition, so I thought you were like, it oh. would be an expedition. <laughs> I was like, that is a remarkably it like, would. A- accurate and specific way of saying that. <laughs> that is very true. Yes, yeah. it would be. Yeah. Um, but so that one stays put, and then yeah. uh, it's fun to be able to go outside, especially now it's summer here. Um, so to have the little polywog to spin outside on and then have people stare at you as you do. <gasps> do you spin outside on your wheel? That's really cute. Yeah, yeah. And I used to do it a lot more, too, when I lived out in the country. Now I live um, in the city. Um, so sometimes, you know, I'll take mm-hmm. it out to, like, the closest park area. Um, but, yeah, people give you, like, a lot of weird looks and, and stuff like that. But, yeah. Really? <laughs> what's, like, what's, like, the weirdest per- thing that someone said to you? Um, well, people just seem to take it as, like, an open invitation to talk about everything with you sometimes. Whoa. And, and then they'll go on about, like, how, how like, 
I've, you hear a lot of stories about how their grandma used to crochet, and I'm like, I don't know how to crochet. I don't like know what you're talking about. I'm sorry. What? Mm. How can you with one hook? What? That doesn't make any sense. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, so they they tend to engage in you know their their grandmother's crochet stories. But yeah, yeah. No, I get that too. And the automatic assumption that because you're doing anything with like fiber that like you know all the things about fiber and you're definitely a crocheter or they def or they just don't know sometimes I feel like such a jerk because I'll, I'll be like they'll be like what are you crocheting I'm like actually I'm knitting <laughs> just like kind of... yes that question is so hard to answer without like extreme you know like aggre aggression so then I'll, I'll just I'll just be passive aggressive that's at least better I think <laughs> I guess at least in the like context of sitting in a park, like just doing this whole docile thing of spinning and like, oh, I'm just spinning. But I think that that's this, I feel like that's this really interesting thing about maybe especially why I was really interested in you and like just in general, like what fiber has to offer in many different forms that like, oh, here's this nice little like sort like, person just sitting or like a grandma sitting with their like fiber and they're just having this nice time and it's actually it can be this really um it's just full of a lot of other things you know like it's sort of full of yeah. so many other stories um I want I wanted to ask whether like how, so where when did fiber come into your life and then maybe when did kink come into your life and do they like yeah yeah can you walk me through this yeah, so I was actually, I was introduced, like, a lot of people to um, to knitting, like, by my grandmother, um, but I didn't totally, you know, dive head over heels into it then, mostly because I didn't have that community around me who was doing the same thing, um, so I kind of learned then and was exposed to it, and then when I, like, in the beginning of, or no, when I was the end of high school, um, I had started dating someone and their sister, who I'm still best friends with, um, was a knitter. And so then I had that real connection where it kind of like, you know, became a passion, became something that I could not only engage with on my own, but I also had, you know, a kind of, you know, someone that, and now all of our conversations are just like, what are you working on? You know, mm -hmm. what are you doing now? You know, like, and just, you know, whining about our mistakes. And when we have sleepovers, they're literally just, you know, sitting on the floor, knitting, talking the whole time, you know. Um, the last sleepover, actually, she was kind enough. Uh, she seamed together a sweater for me because she loves mattress stitch. Uh, like, what? Can I send okay. her all of my things? <laughs> exactly. She ref she wouldn't she wouldn't um, you know uh, weave in the edges because she hates that part, but she loves mattress stitch. So I was like, yes, please. Yeah. Um, and so having that, you know, kind of real. And so she had she's been knitting forever, and then. I started spinning next, so then she started spinning, you know, so we kind of tag teamed there. Now we both knit and, and spin, um, and so she's been my kind of one main, like, here, you know, like, in my direct area, you know, source of kind of connection. And then, of course, like, Instagram opens up a big world of, of knitters that I get to kind of collaborate with all the time. Um, and then... 
you know, on the other side, pink started for me actually, um, it probably now like, you know, the starting interests uh, of getting involved probably like three years ago, I'd say. Um, and it was actually born out of chronic illness. So I have uh, fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition, and I have Ehlers-Danlos. So that's a genetic condition where my, my collagen, you know, isn't produced correctly. Uh, it's a hereditary condition. And so that causes uh, my joints to be loose and hypermobile, and that causes a lot of joint pain. So essentially, um, I'm actually coming up on two years of living in 24-7 chronic pain. Um, so I don't remember what it feels like to not be in pain. It's just not a sensation I understand. Um, so for me, what, when I'm getting involved with kink and especially with pain play, um, for me, for most people when they get involved and they're, you know, thinking about, you know, whether or not they want to do that today, do any kind of pain play, it's whether or not they want to be mm. in pain. Um, but for me, it's only how I'm going to be in pain. So no matter what, I'm going to be in pain. You know, I could be laying on the couch with this hot gravel in my joints sensation, or I could be getting beat up and, you know, be in this super wild, weird pain, you know, in all these different ways that kinky people like to mm. do that and be having, like, lots of crazy fun mm. with it. Um, so that, you know... So since I have to live with pain, I started exploring it, and it's really kind of just blossomed into a whole nother creative outlet. Um, you know, the same way that, that knitting takes on a lot of, you know, a lot of, is one way that I, I you know, find creative, you know, uh, success, you know, I'm, I'm productive or whatever. This is another way that I have these ideas, and then I also have these friends who a lot of them are amazing photographers, um, and we kind of flesh out these ideas together, um, and, and you know, these concepts, and make things together, and it's just, it's, you know, a whole fun process um, that, you know, takes on so much more meaning, and because it's part of this creative process it always overlaps with what I'm doing in my knitting life mm. and I also you know they, they, they aren't separate and you know you'll people will see me I was actually just at um, a kink conference here in Philly uh, and I wasn't the only person sitting there knitting you know while watching the presenters I was like I we made eye contact and like someone commented on it um, so you know so you can't possibly keep them apart and then when possible I love literally mixing the two and like bringing bringing yarn into you know into especially needles but like trying to really mesh them together uh, I think that's particularly fun that is like I think that that was when I first saw your work I was like oh I wonder if this is like a literal fetish of the fiber which like I guess like I can't I can't say that I have like I don't necessarily identify as having a fetish of fiber but I also feel so like deeply kind of uh, I'm just squeezing the air right now <laughs> like you know yes, it's that I kind feel. of like visceral like mm, like like the the smell of lanolin the feel of all of it and it does like I get I get like sensations around it and I sort of wondered yeah, I wondered, like, I understood that, like, yes, these things can overlap and, like, to be tied up maybe with rope is not the same as to be tied up with, um, like, fiber and whether there was even, like, I don't know, like, whether you were um, 
sometimes spinning wool with the intention of using it for play. Does that ever happen? Yeah. Well, so one thing that, that's really fun um, is that the rope that, that people use in shibari, um, the most common type is jute rope. Yeah. Um, but there's also hemp, people, t- people tie with cotton, silk mixes, really a bunch of different plant fibers. Wow. And they all, just like those same, fe- those same sensations you're mentioning, most people who tie have with, like, jute has a very, very specific smell, or when it's, you know, freshly conditioned, it has a smell, and then the way it feels against your skin, it has all of these same things, and I'm forever, mm. whenever... And so just like there's a million different, you know, ways that you can spin yarn, the same thing is true for rope. And so I'm, I'm never using the correct terminology, you know, for that rope makers use, but I'm, I'm like looking at the ply I'm, you know, I'm like, oh, this is plied very loosely. This would be a good sock yarn. This would not, this would be really (laughs) good for lace. You know, like I'm always, I'm always checking out like, you know, the fiber that it's made from, um, And then actually I have, I've been lucky enough to spin something for a specific project. Mm. Um, And so I spun like a, basically a lace weight, um, a lace weight yarn with just white wool. Mm. And so what the tie ended up being, um, it ended up being having, um, I had wire wrapped around my face as Mm. well as face rope. And then the yarn was actually attached to a piercing that I have in my mouth. I have a piercing under my tongue. Mm. The yarn was wrapped around that piercing and it, and tied off of the off of the, the you know the shot. Um, mm. So you can actually see the piercing being pulled out of my mouth by this fiber. Um, and yeah. it was really neat that uh, that it was my hand spun yarn. You know, kind of yanking this out of my mouth, and it's you know it, it's it's a jarring image because you're like oh gosh that had to hurt and then uh Mm. you know and then you find out you know that it's it's you know it kind of adds this very kind of unique personal you know quality to it well and it's so I think what's so cool about all this is that it is so uniquely you like I just felt like the more that I read from your Instagram and the more I saw the more it was like there are so many layers of this person and to and when you were um, speaking openly about chronic pain, and then and then sort of layering that onto it as as your entire story of why all these things kind of fit together, it's just I just think it's so cool how we can all we all kind of have a lot of us have that same story right of like grandma taught me mom taught me to knit and then and then we all go in such different directions from there (laughs) clearly (laughs) but I just I got me I got thinking when you said you spun the yarn and then you and then it was tied around that piercing I imagined then you knitting something out of that yarn (laughs) and just how many layers like how how layered that piece would be but how it's how it would be that is so you there's so much of Mm -hmm. you in that yeah and just yeah that really unique perspective that only you can bring to the table because this is your your lived experience yeah and I actually um 
I, I had a, a number of people like comment to me when I first started posting stuff on Instagram, like, why aren't you making a kink account and then a knitting account? Like, what are mm, you doing? Mm. Um, I, I'd gotten like so many people saying that and I didn't want to because my life just isn't compartmentalized that way. Yeah. Like, I don't have time for knitting, and I don't have time blacked off for kink. Like, this past weekend, I was knitting at a kink conference while people, while, you know, people were literally having needles stuck in them, and then, you know, having cupping done on top of that, and, bl mm -hmm. you know, like, really intense things going on. Um, that's also my knitting time, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't want to be inauthentic about it. Um, mm -hmm. and so it, and... I think it has been wildly successful for me and something really amazing has happened because of it. So um, uh, another knitter reached out to me um, and she actually has chronic pain in her hands mm -hmm. and she couldn't spin anymore uh, because of it. But so she, she asked me um, on FetLife, which is like Ravelry for kink, she asked me, you know, yeah. would you want to take some of this fiber off my hands? I would love to send it to you. And I said, oh my gosh, I like, I would never, I was like, wow, that would be amazing. And so, um, so, you know, I, I got home one day and I, I kind of forgot about it. It was like a week later. I just wasn't thinking about it. And yeah. I opened this package and there's, you know, like 12 ounces of beautiful angora fiber from her bunnies um and then another 12 ounces of this these gorgeous hand-dyed locks and i've never even had locks before i'm just so amazed by them um mm. and like i just and you know and this beautiful card with it and i just start and and dried lavender and what and everything was just so like overwhelming and like i was just crying and not sure how to deal with it i was like this is so beautiful yeah. um and so, and so it, it, you know, like, it was just overwhelming to me because, you know, if I had ever listened to the people who were saying, you should definitely separate, like, this is not, you know, whatever. This was yeah. another kinky, masochistic knitter with a chronic pain condition who was preventing them from spinning, yeah. you know, like, to find, you know, so it's by being like uniquely you um you know i get to attract people with really you know similar kind of situations but completely different mm. but i find that people tend to reach out and connect a lot when you have kind of more than one facet of your life overlapping so yeah. kinky knitters or um or people like other people who are yo are into yoga and rope bottom or uh, mm. people with chronic illnesses who are masochistic, you know, so when those two things overlap, they start mm. to go, oh, wow, like that's really special. And I cannot like underemphasize how many kinky knitters there are out there and like how many of them send me little messages like, yes, thank you, represent. And I'm like, I will. I'm so happy about this. Yes. Um, so it's super exciting to see that yeah well and it's I think that that's what's special about about just really genuinely showing up as yourself like really bringing yourself to the table and kind of being like nah I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide this part of myself to make you more comfortable or to make more space for the same voice to be heard over and over again like to have your specific voice 
means that people can identify with those parts of you and the, and for the folks who are maybe not ready to who are not openly kinky or who are not whatever just not sharing in a way that is public about it like it's so special for you to be able to ident- to, to kind of occupy that space and and I, I feel like this happens to me all the time where I see someone and like Marley Grace is somebody who comes up for me in particular, who's just someone who I probably found three years ago through Half Company and just was like, saw her presence of, of being very open about her feelings and how she was going and be, just being very vulnerable and kind of going, oh, I'm like allowed to do that on the internet. That's a thing I you can do. That, what you can do yeah. that because like I have all these feelings and I tell them to people in my real life, like in my actual life. But I didn't know you could use the internet in this way. And it's sort of I think like a lot of people have talked about it in this way of like by living your truth and your really authentic self, you're kind of giving permission for other people to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. In like a non-egotistical kind of way, like you just showing up and shining your light means that other people get to do that too. Mm-hmm. And like, I can definitely, you know, um, attest to the fact that there have been some things that I've been like, wow, this is, this is definitely going to be a risky post. And, and especially yeah. as I was like, you know, kind of showing more and more of like, you know, the edgier things that I'm into, um, especially things with needles and blood um or things with like heavier like gags and stuff like that things that kind of just Mm. go oh wow um yeah I definitely had moments like where I caught myself saying will this turn people off like this kind of thing and you know and I've been lucky to have like some people you know just being great reminders of like no like this is you like don't worry um, mm. you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Like, don't, don't censor this at all. And I, I've, oh, and people in the kink community are sometimes surprised to hear. I'm like, actually, no, the knitters are usually super fine with it. They all stick around. They, they're, you know, they can see, you know, how much passion I put into it. Um, and this is just a little, like, dorky, like, fangirl moment. Um, so Into mm. the World is... Uh, that's spelled W H I R L E D. Um, is a knitter mm. in the or er, a dyer in the U S. And mm-hmm. so, they started liking some of my like my you know my rope photos or whatever. And I was like, oh my god, so cool. And they liked some more. And then I was at Maryland Sheep and Wool this year, and um, I went to their booth and like walked in and I saw a man and woman and I I said, are do you run the Instagram? And she, like, turned and looked at me, and she's like, I recognize you! And I was like, what? No way! This is crazy! Um, so it was, you know, and so that was, like, you know, super real crossover of someone really, you know, appreciating what I was doing in rope, you know, hanging upside down. And, and I love, I love seeing, you know, you know, the way that people kind of interact with, with those things on both sides, and see, and in the same sense, you know, a lot of kinky people don't know anything about knitting, um, mm-hmm. but a lot of them get into, you know, what I'm posting because there's humanity to it, you know, and essentially, mm-hmm. especially with rope, when you, when you look at it, rope and knitting, it's both, both of which just take a pile of string and essentially, you know, manipulate it and transform it and work with it until it becomes, you know, a human you know, experience until it emotionally mm. affects you. 
Um, mm. You know, you work with your hands. So there's something like very yeah. fundamental about them, you know, whether that is this manipulating material until it's emotional or it's connecting or it's forging relationships through the act of making. Because a lot of it, yeah. you know, that's what's important in both yeah. in both communities. Um, so it, you know, so I think, especially, you know, with kinky people looking at my fiber stuff, they don't need to know, you know, it's pretty obvious that I knit because it's in the name, but even if they thought it was crochet, you know, like you don't even need to know the first thing about knitting to realize the profound, you know, like meaning of that because you understand what it means to, you know, work with material and make it into something special. Um, and so yeah. it just tends to kind of be this really perfect fit where a lot of people wouldn't expect kinky stuff and knitting to go well to you know to really mesh mm. together but to mm. me it just like kind of ends up being seamless because of how many you know similarities there are yeah yeah well and this kind of making of community and and connecting people that's like I think that's an interesting parallel and I I was wondering how how that looks in the kink world and like how like how did you how did you first kind of come across other folks who were like, how did you find, a, is it a, a rigor for like tying? Is that right? Yeah. How did you come across those people? How did you form those connections? You yeah. I mean? So I, I think like one of the strongest parallels between the two worlds is definitely community and connection. Um, mm. Because that's, you know, that's really what, you know, a lot of people are in it for. Of course, like, you know, you like the sweater and stuff, but you know, you, I, more important is my best friend who comes over and knits with me while I'm knitting the sweater. That's, you know, the really, like, yeah. amazing part of it. And so community is huge in the kink world. Um, and so, like I yeah. said, just like knitting has ravelry, um, the kink world has yeah. fet life. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, you know, like a social <laughs> network. Um, and so, and that's kind of the best way to like foray into in-person things. So they have like an event mm. listing. And mm. so, especially in a city like Philly, you'll have, um, you'll have exposure to a lot of different, you know, events and they can be, so there's thing they call them munches. And so munches are like just get togethers where it's like, you'll have drinks or lunch or dinner or something like that, but it's not no play involved. So there's no actual mm -hmm. kink act. It's just a social gathering so that you get to know other people with the same interests. Yeah. Um, and then there's just like, you know, the knitting world, you can attend classes and instructives. Um, and then there's also, you know, there's also play parties. Um, and this past weekend I was actually at what's called a grow. Uh, it's spelled G-R-U-E, and it's actually, yeah. like, it's called an unconference because it's a conference that isn't set up beforehand. Um, the uh, class list starts blank, and then yeah. everyone and who's yeah. there puts up a class they want to teach. Cool, yeah. So, you know, like, so every, everyone's, you're, in that sense, you're pulling from the community, you know, mm. um, be, pulling everyone else's knowledge uh, because mm. everyone's spent a lot of time doing these things they're very passionate about um, and kind of, you know, getting information from, th from them directly, you know, the same yeah. way I can't even imagine um, 
you know, if you, when you go to, when I, I've gone to just like local knitting groups, like everyone there has spent thousands of hours, you know, and they yeah. all have something, you know, super great that I have no idea how to do or something that like I've tried to do 20 times and I still forget like Kitchener stitch. How the, how do you constantly <laughs> forget that? Like what? Um, me and me and my best friend though, I think uh, we have an idea for getting like the best idea ever for matching tattoos is just getting the Kitchener stitch, like, pattern tattooed on us. Oh my god, can I become part of this matching <laughs> yes. tattoo? I'm just yes. inserting myself into your deep friendship. I hope that's okay. It's because it's oh so necessary. God. Yeah, yeah, well, I have to look up the starting of it every single time. I have, like, a Pearl Soho video that I always go back to. And once I'm in it, I'm like, all right, knit, pearl, pearl, knit. Knit, yeah, pearl, pearl knit, but like it just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always had to look it up. Always. Oh, that's so good. So I yeah, love that. I, yeah. That's that's like a, a need need to have tattoo. And I Absolutely. also I did see someone once with a really cute tattoo that was like on their foot, and it was like marking. It was like marking where to start the heel or like where to turn, like a literal mark, so you could try it on your foot and right where oh they wanted my... to mark their heel. Oh, this is next level. I've been thinking about knitting tattoos. I was like talking to my friend about this the other day and they were like, oh, what if you don't like knitting anymore one day? And I was like, well, first of all, never going to happen. Yeah, let's, let's cut that out right there. Shut, shut up because <laughs> that's not a thing. But also then I thought, I kind of thought with mark making on your body and specifically about like knitting tattoos because it's, because, I mean, let's be honest, they're hella dorky. Like, you know, I I have a knitting tattoo. It's hella dorky. And people have, like, you know, tattoos on their hands. But knit pearl. It's dorky as shit. But, like, in a really, really cool way. Yeah. And I just feel like it's not even about the thing. Just like if I ever got chronic RSI or whatever and was not able to spin or knit. Like, I'd be bummed as shit about it. But, but it was, it seems to me more a symbol of of like showing up to the thing that you love doing and just doing it every day. Like that was what, like my little logo, I've got my like fucking logo tattooed on my body, which is sort of ridiculous, but it's cause I love that. It's like, it's a knitting needle. Like it's yeah. got a knitting needle in it. And even if one day the act isn't knitting, if it's something totally different, super far removed from knitting, I still think that there's beauty in looking at that and going, why like what am I loving right now like what am I feeling passionate about why am I not doing that at least once a day every day just that as like a reminder oh yeah and you know having I you know having two giant sheep heads on my thighs like you know that's a that's a it's a real you know personal commitment to having that there because trust me I get so many comments uh like so why are there sheep on you like that's a weird animal to just choose to have Um, Mm. and so I go into explaining that, but I, but I've also, I can also like totally identify with the, what if I can't do that anymore? Um, and so Mm. I've actually come super far in the, the last two years, um, about like a year, especially a year and a half ago, I was using a cane to, um, get around everywhere every day. Um, and the worst, and that was tough, um, admittedly, but the worst part was that I had such bad pain in my fingers that I couldn't straighten them. 
Um, and I, so by the end of the day, I'd be so wiped, fatigued, in so much pain, and I couldn't even pick up knitting needles or spin. Um, you know, and so that was, I would just literally have to lay there and just watch something. There was nothing, and you know, it's so mind-numbingly boring when you have all this creativity that you want to do something with. Um, so I definitely had to go through that process of feeling that and Mm. it didn't make me not a spinner. Like it didn't, there's something fundamentally like there about me that like identifies with it in a sense that like it means a lot to me even Mm. if I can't do it right now because you know there's there's some kind of physical barrier like I'm not with my wheel for a whole month or you know I'm 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 trying to finish a thesis so I can't possibly have any time for it you know Mm. so I I think what's kind of neat about that is I think the tattoo thing kind of spans both sides on the one mm-hmm. hand, it is this reminder, because it's like, if you're going to have two giant-ass sheep heads tattooed on you, like, you better back that up. Um, yeah. But also, like, if you can't back it up right now, that's okay. This is a reminder that, like, this is part of you. Like, this is for longer than right now. This is going to be here, you know, ten years from yeah. now to take care of you. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's a nice, you know, like, because it, it definitely has both sides to it. And yet yeah. we both have knitting tattoos. <laughs> and I'm like always scheming more knitting tattoos than I want. I'm like, ooh, would it be okay like for me to copy such and such and literally get the words knit pearl on my hands? <laughs> have you seen Is Knit before? Uh, I forget. I, I've definitely seen the knit pearl ones. I love them. She has a lot of amazing tattoos, but she has knit pearl just like in, you oh, know, in the really yeah. kind of, that kind Bad of thought ass. that's just second yeah so bad <laughs> just like mm. yeah I don't have so good. I don't have quite that much badass <laughs> but I have, I have I the, mean, the sheeps well I feel like that's super badass I feel like you might have posted a picture or something or a story where you were like wearing a like a floppy dress like a cute little sundress and then your sheep were coming out of them and I was like oh my god <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> also Thank this you. is just me like fangirling you this is so embarrassing uh... <laughs> No, don't stop. <laughs> stop, don't stop, stop, don't stop. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know what? I wanted to know whether um, whether kink was, like you said, you you were from, you were not from, but you were living more rurally, like you were living country and now you're in the city. Was that like a, was that like harder? Because I, I guess I was just thinking about it in the context of my own life going like, oh, I live in a small place. I wonder if there even is like a FetLife Hobart, you know what I mean? Like, and I wondered whether you got on FetLife back whenever you were living in the country and you were like, mm-hmm. hmm, how do I explore this IRL? Like, what do I do? Yeah. Um, it's definitely a lot harder in rural areas. Um, luckily, like I wasn't Mm. too far out of, you know, like a city area. So I was still in like kind of a centrally like localized deal. Um, so, and, and, and even if there aren't tons of events near you, it's definitely still a way to connect with like individual people. Um, so I was, so I was definitely using it then, but I also like, you know, uh, had found people because I was kind of in a college community and then kind of branching off of that, um, finding people that way. But moving to the city has definitely, you know, kind of totally changed things. Um, And what's really, and it's funny, I have this conversation sometimes um, with my boss 
who, you know, is kind of, you know, middle-aged, has two very young children, but doesn't really understand how how the internet, you know, works and how, like, people meet people nowadays. And he'll ask yeah. me about, like, every time I mention a friend, he's like, how did you meet them? And I'm like, the internet. I've met all my friends here through the internet. Like, that's just, yeah. you know, and, and Instagram has connected me with so many, like, kink people because I, I've gotten into it a lot from the uh, photographic standpoint so you know through instagram i'm finding photographers i want to work with and a lot of the times i'm finding you know kinky photographers who i want to work with and so it just kind of like organically happens that now my whole friend group they're mainly you know kinky and basically all from instagram um which is you know (laughs) funny to think about but I, you know, I don't, cause, cause there's also the fact that like, I have these very, I, I know I have very specific hobbies, you know, like yeah, the, these aren't yeah. exactly run of the mill hobbies. Um, mm. so it would be kind of weird for me to expect that I could just go out and like randomly meet people who would be like totally down to come over my place and watch me stick needles in my face and take pictures of it. Like, I get it. That's not a normal pastime. Um, so, so yeah, like, definitely the, the actually kind of being able to find people with those very specific interests, including, you know, and, and knitting passionately, you know, like, really yeah. um, knitting, like, constantly is, is a, a very specific hobby just because how much time it takes up, you know? Like, it's not, yeah, yeah it's, it takes up a lot of your life. Yeah, and there's something about finding those people who, and I wonder if kink is like this actually, like finding those people who are willing to invest a large portion of time in an outcome that like you aren't necessarily sure is going to work. Like it's kind of experimental. Like with knitting, you just don't, like especially if you're knitting for someone else or something, Mm -hmm. you just don't know. Like you're doing this thing, your hands are working and it's sort of a, you know, maybe it's meditative for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's some way that you kind of process things. But there's there's so much in that, that kind of with the out, I don't know, like, like, I guess yeah. I was just thinking about the the rigging, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it seems like there's just tons of parallels. Hey, I guess you've already drawn all these parallels. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> this They're is so there. exciting. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. I, I definitely had a lot of like the same kind of conversation of all of this work going into it because like a lot of times Mm. me and my friend you know who's generally the person who who would be tying me um or or topping me like hitting me beating me up in some way uh, or photographing me you know like we generally come up with some concept and like to make these rope Mm. ideas come to life like takes a lot of work um And so, and actually, um, the last, like, kind of big concept-y thing that I came up with was I wanted to do a full-body mummification, um, so that's with, like, saran wrap, and you can add duct tape to it, and I wanted to be suspended from my ankles in this full-body mummification, um, and so, like, there's a lot of work that goes into, like, being wrapped up like that, and then being tied up by your ankles, and you only have a small mouth hole to breathe from, so it's, you know... It's very stressful, it's, you know, the only, your life is depending on, like, you being able to communicate. Um, yeah. And in a lot, but for a lot of those projects that take a lot of work like that, um, everyone that I've worked with has kind of had the same, like, even if, like, it doesn't really matter if nothing comes out. 
you know, like if a good photo comes out, that's awesome and great. And, you know, we all like are super hyped about it and we just totally get excited. But like, also let's try weird shit and like, let's go to those really weird places. And if they don't work out, like, so what? If it doesn't make a cool photo, so what? We did those super weird things together. And I think what's really cool about that is when you're doing these super weird things together, it forces you to be very intimate with people. Like that's what's, you know, you can't, you can't be mummified and hung upside down and not have an emotional experience. You know, like it's, it's creating these really kind of strong bonds the same way that like, um, so the last time I slept over with my knitting best friend, she was finishing this absolutely like amazing, huge, huge, gorgeous lace shawl with the most complicated, you know, charts and the 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 edging was this um was a crochet border with beads on it this is something like i'm a masochist and i would never do this to myself like (laughs) this is awful yes Um, yes (laughs) and so she got like a third of the way through this pain in the ass border when all of a sudden she's like oh shit and realized, you know, that she had made a mistake, you know, a ways back and would have to rip all of this out and redo all of this ridiculously hard edging. And, like, you know, like, and it, it kind of, to someone who, who, like, doesn't understand knitting in this way, it would seem like something ridiculous. But that's yeah. one of those moments where you're, you, you honestly, I, I, in those moments, I honestly will second guess what am I doing with this? Like, why am I, you know, and sometimes mm. it gets me to the place of not wanting to even look at yarn for a few days because I'm mm-hmm. just so deeply invested in it that, like, that's such a personal loss, <laughs> which, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of man hours going into it. And, yes. um, yeah. And so to be there, and then, like, I was the motivator for, like, no, 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 this is the sleepover that we're going to, like, get through this shawl together. Um, you know, and, like, I wasn't actually working on the shawl, but I was, like, the support system, you know, and, like, yeah. and we got through yeah. it together, you know, so we, we got through it, um, and, yeah. but, you know, yeah. so, like, again, is it really about the, the shawl edging? You know, it's pretty, but no, you know, not really, um, and actually, a quote that I, I really like from, from yoga, I also practice yoga, is uh, mm. yoga is another thing where there's a lot of technicalities. The same way with mm. knitting, there's a pattern with a lot of technicalities. In rope, you know, there's all of these different intricate ties. Um, and so the yoga thing is, you know, like yoga is not about the pose. It's about what's happening between your ears while you're in the pose. Mm. You know, so it's it's not about, like, is the rope the most pristine, like, is that the most perfectly fitting fitting sweater or the you know the nicest lace shawl in the world it's like what does it matter if it's absolutely perfect if you are fucking miserable the whole damn time like you know there should be something enjoyable and and you know fun about what's happening with it um and and so i think it's that like experience that it kind of transcends the materials and the product and things like that and really makes it you know much more personal and special yeah yes and <laughs> i love that you just have this bird on your neck <laughs> it's like take, pecking at your earphones yeah so tiger <laughs> so if if you follow my instagram you do you, you've probably seen my my little bird um 
He's also way more popular than me on Instagram. When like I put stories <laughs> with Tiger up, everyone goes crazy. They're like, "Oh my god, that is the cutest bird in the world!" Like, it's it's ridiculous. Um, like, P.S. I'm still here. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so right now, um, as she was saying, he's currently just sitting on my shoulder ripping my earphones out of my ears repeatedly and I just keep like putting them back in and he just keeps ripping them out and like playing with the cord but he yeah that adds and what he's he's cute he'll do this too when I'm spinning he'll just come sit on my shoulder and like play with my hair and like he'll like dive in my shirt while I'm spinning and stuff like that yeah I thought you were going to say that he was, like, going to get into your spinning fiber, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> he, he leaves that alone, surprisingly. Um, but there are That's three good. things that Tiger, like, hates with all of his life that I can't do with him around. One is the broom. The second yeah. is the hair straightener. And the third is the ball winder and swift. Oh. He cannot stand. Like, he will just dive headfirst into the ball winder. Like, he thinks, I don't know what he thinks it is, but yeah, that's one thing that he cannot, like, he loses his shit when there is yarn on the Swift. Like, yeah. I'm like, Tiger, well, that's highly way. convenient. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I need to be winding this shit into some, into some balls right now. Especially because, like, that's something I don't have much motivation for. It's not my favorite. Like, oh, that's tiring. And when things get knotted in that stage, I'm just like, I, I can't handle this. I just, like, throw it out. <laughs> I'm terrible. I feel so like, bad Ugh. for doing that, but it's true. I know. I know. Um, I actually, the other day, like, threw out, like, literally into the rubbish bin, like, a little bit of yarn that was just so knotted that I was like, fuck it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here with this. It's like this masochism thing. <laughs> like, I literally yeah. refer to some people who actually enjoy that process. Love that. You must be masochistic. Like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. And, and what's funny, too, um... Well, people, number one, like, people will ask me a lot, like, if I'm interested in learning how to tie, like, rope, um, mm. and, and sometimes I'll, like, I'll, I'll kind of tongue-in-cheek, like, reply, like, I already know how to tie. I tie knots so intricate they form entire garments. Like, Whoa, I know how to tie, yeah. you know, um, yeah. but I, I get a lot of the same kind of I don't know, I get a lot of the same thing that, like, a lot of people who tie rope, you know, get out of knitting. You know, I get a lot of mm. that physical process, that making. Um, and, and so, also, I, I already have to deal with enough goddamn knots. So when, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so, when, like, there's, like, rope on the ground near me and I see, like, some of it's kind of, like, like it just, like, gives me, like, the shakes. I'm just, like, I don't want to even, like, be around anymore. And those are only, mm. like... 30 foot lengths. I'm like, you don't even know. Imagine if that was 400 yards of Madeline Tosh. Like, you would be <laughs> crying. Literally crying. Yes. yes. And let me tell you, sometimes those Madeline Tosh skeins are buggers to, like, work through. Um, but yeah, so I don't I don't need any more hobbies that involve knots. Like, I'll yeah. just tear-inducing. Yeah, you've tied 10,000 knots in your knitting yes. in your lifetime. Yeah. Yes. No, yes. one time I actually like started, like I did a little math on, I did this, this cabled yeah. sweater from, um, uh, uh, Brooklyn Tweed. Um, yeah. I did this beautiful cabled fun sweater and I was like, you know what, I'm going to see how many like stitches are in this panel. And it was like 13,000 or something ridiculous. Um, Oh and I was God. like, I'm never again counting the number of stitches in anything. I will yeah. just not knit anything if I keep <laughs> track of gonna... this. 
<laughs> two million stitches later, you're like, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, that's it's not the part of it that I want to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you get this question of when people like, I'm sure you do. Um, and, and if so, what do you tell people when people like ask you, so how long did it take you to make that thing? Oh my God, your face right all now the is so time. perfect. <laughs> I wish we could, yeah, this should actually be just a visual podcast too. Cause yeah, all the faces. Cause um, bird, cause faces. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, uh, I get that question a lot. Um, I don't have a good answer. I kind of like, I have like a vague thing worked out for like beanies and socks because I make a lot of those for people mm-hmm. in my life. So I'll be like, oh, depending on the yarn, like for a beanie, it's probably between like two and six hours of work. And like for socks, it's probably like four, four hours a sock for like basic socks, like super mm-hmm. basic socks. And then I'm kind of, but I kind of feel like, I was thinking about this the other day because somebody asked me, they were like, oh, what would you have to charge to like sell your work in a shop if you were going to knit a beanie or something? And I was like, $120 probably. Like, like that's not, e- that's like being, that's not even, especially because if it's going to be retail, I'm going to get like half of that. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll get 70% of that if it's consignment. Anyway, I like thinking about it in terms of how much time it takes because then it automatically goes to money in my mind of like how many hours of work would that be? Or like what, you know, at $20 an hour, which is like basically minimum wage in Australia. Like that's, a, that's you know, this is, we're not even accounting for the fact that this is skilled labor, you know, mm-hmm. but when I, when I start to think about it in those terms, I just get too sad about it. So I just have like gone, I've gone so far the other direction of like not ever keeping track of anything and how much any time takes. Cause I just, it's like, you know, that time, what else was I going to be doing with that time? Probably being anxious, probably like on Instagram, probably on Facebook feeling weird about my life. I don't yeah. know. It's, I don't know. I have no good answer. I wish I had some answer for you that was like, I told them this and it's super witty yeah. and clever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely like have come up against that. And like at one point I was like, well, maybe I should just actually time one thing from the dyeing, yeah. spinning, knitting process just to prove mm. to everyone, you know. But then I, like, started and I got really depressed about it. And I was like, I can't mm. keep timing this. This is, you know, like, way mm. too hard on me. Um, so, yeah, I I can't because as as much as I love knitting and spinning, I can't keep track or it, it you know, it's, it's hard to process yeah. how long this takes. Yeah. Um, but so, so instead, like, but at the same time, like, I do like having accountability to myself, you yeah, know, making yeah. sure I show up and do it. So, like, mm. I just try to, like, and, and in yoga, there's this mentality a lot, because um, I practice a type of yoga where it's, like, common to practice six days a week. And so, mm. but the thing is, it's like, it's not, you know, you have to do everything all out six days a week. Just show mm. up on your mat, and if you only get through the first, you know, sun salutation, and that's it, you're done. You did it. You showed mm. up, you know, you got on your mat, and you did it. And so, mm. like, one of my favorite ways to start the day has been, like, trying to carve out some morning time before before work, and I just sit down at my wheel, and I spin, and, you know, just just the fact that I, like, showed up, and I made that time to do that, and I... You know, I don't know, I don't count, like, how many ounces I get through or anything like that. You know, I just spun whatever was sitting there until I was ready to be done spinning. Um, yeah. And so so that way, you know, I, I don't have to, like, keep track of time-wise, but, like, 
I know yeah. I'm still I'm dedicating myself to it in some way every day. And yeah. and if you just do that, you don't like have to like push towards a goal cuz it's just going to happen. If you just naturally put yourself into it, you know, then you have then I find and what I really love about it is because like when I have this daily spinning or knitting time, it becomes a meditative space and like mm. especially the sitting, the forcing yourself to sit still, I find like it makes you face up to a lot of things that you've been trying to not face up to. You know, like, you have to yes. look at them. Yes. Well, and this is, I was going to say, when you when you were, like, asking about how long something takes, I almost was thinking, too, like, well, I don't really know how long it takes because I get up and do other things. I change the song. I dance. I dance while I knit. I put the knitting down, and then I'm just dancing. And I think that that's partly because I literally cannot sit with myself. Yeah. I am too afraid to sit with my own self and just, and even, you know, and, and part of, I, I think there's value in being gentle with yourself around, okay, sitting with myself, just doing nothing is maybe too far for me. Mm -hmm. Maybe like trying to literally meditate is maybe not, not where I am right now, but, but like being okay with like, yeah, it's just going to be the knitting and the knitting is the only thing that's happening right now. And maybe there's music on in the background. Maybe there's not, maybe there's a slightly more devoted practice of just the knitting and what actually comes up with that. It's hard. It is. And I think especially so especially because I went through a long period of not actually being able to use my hands. Um, yeah. A lot of like, you know, a lot of people who do yoga do have like a, a seated meditation practice. And I can't convince my I, like it just doesn't make sense to me because I went for mm. so long not being able to use my hands, like that meditative space, I don't want to be not knitting or spinning because those things, for me, they're the same process. So I, I just have, you know, mm. I have to be like utilized because to be perfectly honest, I don't know what, you know, my health will hold in the future. You know, I'm currently yeah. like in a place where I'm, still in, you know, I don't have good days and bad days. I have days where I'm in excruciating pain and days where I'm in slightly less excruciating pain. You know, that's, yeah. but so, so I take, you know, so like, it's important for me to be like utilizing it, but also finding that meditative space. But then, and so, but that also adds a tricky bit to the like, how long does it take? What is the value of this? Because when I'm knitting Mm -hmm. and having those realizations or the and and I'm a writer um and so when I write I I knit at work and my boss loves it it's amazing um Mm. because I come up with ideas of all he's so supportive of my knitting whenever he walk he's like the knitting's out this must be good you're coming up with great great ideas keep going I'm like oh my god this is yes I knit on the job keeper um but so (laughs) built into like that finished object are all those ideas that you worked out or all those mm. feelings you worked so like my work projects which are important to me they're built into certain sweaters because those were the sweaters I was working on at that time and I'll always you know like so how could I possibly even even if the va- the total value of this sweater I could you know make into let's say two thousand three thousand dollars whatever ridiculous you know because mm. it would be a ridiculous mm. but could I really put a yeah, value on those amazing like moments that I found with myself? If I sold you that sweater, it would never hold any of like that special meaning, you know? So like 
that's that's what I I find really hard to like you know get across when people ask me that like so how long does it take and I'm just like mm, yeah mm. that's not what this is about yeah. and it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like they're trying to make conversation because they don't know anything about what you're doing. I feel like often it comes from a place of like, I don't really know what you're doing right now. How long does that take? Like, I'm just interested. But then it goes back to this, I have a real problem with forever, like taking things back to a place of productivity. Like that's already where my mind goes. If I'm not doing a lot in a day or in a week or in my lifetime, I feel not great about Mm -hmm. it. And like I used to... (laughs) when I was at uni or at college, I used to talk about it as the Berkeley productivity syndrome, that everyone was just walking around these, like, if they had to sit still for a second, it was like, oh, no, I'm not getting something done. Like, I have to be productive all the time. And so I'm, I am always trying to, like, go into this place of, like, actually, it's not about that. It's not about making, you know, it's, it's productive in a different way. It's productive insofar as, like you're saying, working through, like, getting like getting creative ideas doing the work is how you do the work Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah sitting showing up to your knitting and sitting with it and letting that flow is how you get more ideas for more cool projects knitting or not and like just sort and yes it's productive like people oh you're so productive with your time like you (laughs) knitted a whole jumper and did that and like yes but also can we remove that from the conversation maybe, or I want to remove it from my own conversation around it sometimes because then I wrap up my self-worth in productivity. And, and I just think and, that's dangerous. You know, why didn't I finish, you know, this sweater yeah. three months ago? Why is it still sitting on my needles, you know? Um, yeah, and yeah. then you start, like, belittle, belittling yourself because of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, def- and I also think, like, part of you know, that the way that, like, strangers, like, kind of talk to you about it is, and and this is actually, like, a really interesting, you know, kind of parallel that I do see between kink and knitting, is people don't really know how to understand the really human part of it, so, um, Mm. they see, so I think both are seen just as blank, so with knitting, it's very much, like, it's seen just as, like, a craft, or just as, you know, making clothes, it's not seen as this yeah. as, as artwork, as you know, fiber arts as they are, as this beautiful creative mm. process. And in the same way, kink a lot of times from an outsider's perspective is seen at just as sex. You know, a lot yeah, of like just... this beautiful, amazing, intimate, like creative connection that you're, you know, having with other people is like just devalued immediately and is and of course like sex is amazing and a lot of it's a large part of kink but also most of the kink stuff that i do like doesn't really involve sex half the time you know like i'll just be Mm. bored at 2 a.m in my apartment and i'll i'll just want to start playing with needles and yarn just like pinning them to myself and doing you know crazy stuff like that and that's so much more than sex like you know pretty much everything that i'm doing you know is more than like mm. just sex. And so I think mm. I think both, you know, from the outside are are really kind of just not very well understood. And yet like, you know, when you're inside of them, they like they just mean yeah. so much more. And I think that's too kind of what kind of bridges that parallel where I've seen kinky people and knitting people both be like, I get you. And you know, for me, I like, see you. I, I I see what you're doing. Like maybe that's not at all yeah. what I want to do, but I I get it, and I yeah. like respect it, and yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah, and that's why it's so key to have these people in your life, internet or not, 
who get that, who see, I see that kind of work that you put into that. I see that you are processing a shitload of feelings or just like even just getting on, on Instagram and like posting my work for the first time and having people be like, whoa, good job. And I was like, wait, really? No one in my life gets this. You know, yeah. I finished my first beanie or whatever. And my partner at the time was like, cool. Like I'm proud of you that you did a thing, but like, cool. You know, it's just not the like ecstatic explosion that you yeah. get from your people who, who get what you're talking about. The community, the, the community yeah. of kink folks and the community of knitters, you know? And I actually, I had a, you know, so I was talking about that mummification shoot, you know, that I did earlier and that that right. same weekend, like I was dating someone um, who like wasn't it isn't really like into kink in the the kind of same depth, let's say that I am. Like for me, it's very much like a lifestyle, like it's an, a, a hobby, a lifestyle of mine. Um, and so they were mm. going through like a really personal, monumental moment in their life, you know, just accomplishment wise. And I was like super proud mm. and like was behind them and like, wow, this is amazing. Um, but because, like, we weren't totally in the same community, like, I didn't, it was hard for, like, I was like, okay, I don't really know that I should be like, oh my god, I just had this most amazing, fulfilling moment of, like, literally trusting my hands in someone else's, or trusting my life in someone else's hands, and, you know, like, really just giving, having that complete surrender where someone else, you know, had all of the power, and I had a, a tiny breathing hole to, to breathe out of. Um, and I was just like, that might come, not come across well, you know, kind of from their perspective, like I'm having this life altering moment and you're talking about sex and like, it's, you know, like, um, what? And it's definitely the same thing with knitting where I'll be like, oh my God, I just did this like amazing thing. And people are like, what? I don't, mm, I don't understand. And so I think, you know, and, and I think that's probably why in both kink and knitting community is like you know, maybe the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. And having these like multiple places from which you derive different things and interactions like, okay, I've got like the romantic partner who's doing this for me. But then I I can still tell my best friend who sits on the floor and knits with me like we still have sleepovers and we're still like there for each other in that way to have that larger, wider community of people physically around you too. It's just like so critical. Totally. I just had to grab Tiger. He was starting to scream. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was no, like, I lost him. Tiger was just getting a little antsy. Um, but, but I also think, yeah, no, I think that, good. like, I've, 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 and I've actually talked to a couple of people about this recently. I'm like, what is a nice way to say this? And, like, I'm, I'm not even going to really try to say it that nice. Um... But, you know, being Mm. part of both communities, I found what's so exemplary about the knitting community and that I think, you know, it's not like just specifically the kink community, but I think every community at large like has to learn from them is just the way like a lot of knitting people get along. Um, And just the inner, like Mm. I've never, in, in no other space have I seen just such genuine care because it's like, when you're going through Instagram, you'll ha- you'll of course like be like, why would you ever put those colors together? Or you know, like you made this, you, yeah. you took this beautiful pattern yeah. and altered it in this weird way, and what, why, or like you know, sure, yeah. ever you can't. It's not like knitters are benevolent and they don't have these thoughts, but it's like 
It's that you yeah, know yeah. when you see that really ugly sweater in that like those weird neon colors. It's like you're looking at someone's dedicated love and passion, and they chose that. And that you know. And the only point is that they're happy mm-hmm. with it. And if they're fucking posting a photo like excited about it, either say something nice or move along. Like nobody needs your negative. You know, because yeah. what does it matter if you don't like the sweater? Like it's not for you. Um, and so, and like, and so I think, you know, so I was like, like, how do I say this in a nice, but like, that's, I think that's like what knitters are, I've never been part of a, like, such a kind, like supportive group of people. Um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's not like saying anything terrible about any other community, but it's just like, wow, knitters, like, yeah, wow, you got this. Like everyone, you know you know, just take a look. Like, let's try and be a little bit more like the knitting folk just for once. (laughs) Yes. Yes. This is a thing I think a lot about all the time and is like by and large my experience and the experience of people that I speak to on the podcast. And just generally is like, there isn't this same thing that happens in a lot of other spaces, particularly online where people feel entitled to be like, you're terrible (laughs) or I hate this. Yeah. There's just so little of that. You know, I do a lot of weird stuff. I post a lot of really vulnerable things about who I am as a person and my feelings and dancing. And some, you know, I think the like, probably the like least nice comment I ever got was something about like, this is weird. (laughs) And I was just like, bye bye, delete that. But like, it's, I I just so infrequently get that kind of feedback from folks in the, in the fiber arts community because people like you say, we're not all benevolent. It's not like I'm not thinking it. It's not. <laughs> it's not like I'm not going. Oh, that is some rainbow clown vomit that I'm ne- I would never wear. But it's exactly what you're saying of just like this deep and immense appreciation for like that is your that's your work and that is your expression of who you are and that's also just like I can I can appreciate technicality mm-hmm. of like that was a fuckload of work. I would personally never sit with something like that for that long, but bravo to you for doing it. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's just incredible. And like, just, you know, like commenting, you know, this is a a tiny thing that um, maybe you would realize, but people following me may not have. um, I can say a hundred percent, like you are the direct reason for any dancing videos that ended up on my posts. Um, because you know it's one of those things of like putting your truth out there to let other people see that and it was like you know like wow so I don't have to just do this you know in my apartment I don't have to like be embarrassed by it or I'm allowed to be embarrassed by it but also still post it like what is what is this like self-imposed rule of we're not allowed to share anything that's embarrassing like where did that come from you know and like so not to be like oh my god you're always embarrassing yourself like not in that way but you know like things that are silly and you know like I just started learning like wow maybe I should start doing things that are like uncomfortable and I still remember after like oh my god Tiger's being terrible um (laughs) after I think like the first dancing this is embarrassing the first dancing video that I posted I like I think I messaged you and be like I'd be like, please, please tell me this isn't weird. I'm so embarrassed or something like that. I remember, and it was not weird or embarrassing at all. And also, you're like definitely your hardest, harshest critic because you 
can definitely move your body in a very aesthetically pleasing way. So like, (laughs) I I think it was like, because of the time difference, like you hadn't seen that for like six hours. And that that whole six hours, I was like, Oh my God, am I going to have to delete this? Cause it's so terrible. (laughs) Like, you know, and looking back, these are such ridiculous thoughts, but it, but like, it also like, you know, having you, you know, start that for me and like expose that for me, made me realize that, you know, when I'm feeling uncomfortable about something and, like, maybe I shouldn't, you know, like, use that as the filter, you know, like, trying Mm. to perfect everything. And I was, you know, and, and I mean, it's also great to have that same, you know, to hear that feedback from other people that, like, things that I'm doing have, you know, kind of, like, inspired them in certain ways. Um, But, yeah, so it's kind of, it's neat and, like, you know, and... Who would have, you know, I would have never thought that first, you know, dancing video that I think it was the first time I even messaged you where I was like, please tell me this isn't weird. You know, like who would have thought that I'd end up like here, you know, chatting with you about it. (laughs) I know it's funny, these things. And it's funny how much we kind of second guess our own selves. Because I do that all the time too, of like, oh, this person's amazing. Like, I really hope that they like me. And then people are like, you have those feelings? Like, uh, yeah. Like yeah, every day, every time I leave the house. Like, because it's just funny. I don't know. And it's funny when you kind of have a, a certain persona that people are used to seeing and kind of like, oh, but you're so vulnerable and you're so this and that. And you're like, yeah, yeah. But also like, very anxious mm-hmm. and I think we're definitely you know, crying you were also saying how like you have those like you know kind of not great you know those like not nice thoughts or whatever like but also I totally. think that's what knitting best friends are really good for I have that you know where I'm like what yes. why are people obsessed with like xyz trend I don't understand it's filling up my feed oh my god but like yes. I don't comment on those I don't tell those people you know like I have my little yes. moment with my, my best friend, and I'm like, oh, and also we have uh, an acronym for BFF. It's Best Fiber Friends. I call it this, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was going to call this, like, whole series of the podcast that I never actually turned into a series Best Fiber Friends, BFFs. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, so, yeah, because there's so many we good totally... people, like Hannah Lisa and Verena, who are the the latest episode that I just released. And mm-hmm. then um, I've had, like, Jess uh, Shreepstein and Claire Moscow. We've, like, been meaning to have a chat for two years or something but they were my original mm-hmm. like you guys are best fiber friends and I need to talk to you about it I have the same thing oh my god mm-hmm. yes so you need you need like a, a BFF like that to like be like oh my god I uh. and then mm-hmm. you know when you post things you don't post the uh things because that's just not nice yeah like, mm, yeah and not, I can like I no, feel like no, we can read here. our audiences you know like okay I can yeah, I can, yeah once I've like gotten to know someone I can probably be like so you're not into that either right and they're like oh yeah I'm really glad you said something I didn't I didn't want to you know it's like the phrase we always use this phrase when I was like teaching summer camps in the U.S. Don't yuck my yum. Like, don't say that you don't like something that I like. Like, I remember just mm-hmm. remember some someone ha- it was specifically about like food. Like, kids would bring food and they'd be eating their like lunch or whatever. And if somebody was like, "Oh, that's so gross," it's like, of course that's gonna make that kid feel bad. And it's funny because yeah, it's so yeah. obvious in like little kid terms to be like, "Don't be rude about what they're eating," but we we yuck people's yums all the time. 
in real like in our adult lives of like yeah. ew you're into what and I imagine like you know with oh you're really into knitting that's so nerdy oh you're really into kink that's so gross you know whatever like people have such specific reactions to things they know mm-hmm. nothing about yeah it's like yeah you don't get to decide <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. yeah um I wanted to ask you before we <laughs> talk forever um which could happen about people that you follow in the fiber arts world. <laughs> okay, so I have I have something real exciting. Um, well, so so I actually I, I have two people that I wanted to talk about. So so first was actually um, someone from the kink community, yeah. um, and so their their name is Pajero Librex with um, with three or with two X's. Okay. Um, and I'm guessing you'll have like something posted with their links or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so she's someone that I tie with. Um, and so, like on my page, you'll see. Actually, I just posted like a super adorable photo of us today. But, um, uh, but creepy. Uh, you'll see, I already like, totally saw that and was like, "This is so cute." <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. I, you know, I tie with her like very often. But so, like, why I really wanted to mention her is. Because, like, I totally understand that there are definitely going to be people um, listening to this who really just don't have this connection to Kate that I have. Mm. But, um, so PJ is, you know, super awesome in that she's doing a lot through rope the same way, you know, a lot of fiber artists are doing these things through fiber art. Mm. The same way you have people subverting heteronormative, you know, norms through embroidery Mm. you know her her little instagram thing reads um rope adventures of the non-heteronormative variety mostly you know and so she's all about body positivity and like if you just scroll through her feed it's not all like little tiny petite bendy things you know she has people like of all sizes she ties guys like just you know Mm. every like showing that like any bottom like anybody can be a rope bottom you don't have to be this stereotypical you know tiny bendy you know little human um and that's you know like sometimes the stereotype yeah and she's like no like i'm i'm tying anybody that like i want to connect with and tie with and she also has mad hashtag game like hashtag queers do rope (laughs) you know like she's like yes yeah um, and then my my favorite recent hashtag has been hashtag not so serious oh. like K N O T. I saw that on yours and I was like, ah, oh, snaps yes. for that. That's very good. <laughs> exactly. So you know, like just having like you know, like so it's really about the emotion, about the connection. You know, mm. like her whole that's what you know, like that's what we go for when we work together. You know, um, the we actually like someone photographed a scene where we did like a lot of impact play and a lot of canes and you know like rough body play and 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 breath play so her choking me Mm. and they were like there's entirely too much laughing going on you know and and she's like no yeah that's what yeah that's what happens like you know when i have like a laughing reaction to pain so you know it just turns into silly you know human connection and and so i i really love i think that you know like so if it, 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 I think it's a good kind of like jumping off point for people to see, you know, what people are doing with rope, you know, like mm. on a personal level. Mm. And then um, what's also really cool in the rope in the rope world, I just stumbled across um, people that I was already following. 
um, who had opened up the Shibari studio on the West Coast. And all of a sudden, I saw someone in rope and read the comment. It was like, I get really excited when I get to tie up um, a weaver, you know, because I have this intimate connection. Like, I, I feel like they already have this connection to the process and stuff. And um, after, you know, like I, I looked at who was linked um, and I was super excited. And, and then I ended up reaching out to uh, Megan Shimek. I'm, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Um, and I was like, wow, like she just kind of randomly showed up in the community, you know, community of people doing exactly what I do mm -hmm. as a fiber artist, you know, like rope bottoming. Yeah. Um, and so, and I mean, you know, like she has a lot of visibility and so of course, cause you know, one of, one of the biggest like rules in kink is, is, you know, consent and also anonymity. Everyone understands, you know, that like you don't out people, you know, because, because there, there can be stigma, there can be issue with it. So I, I, I today actually had reached out to her yeah. and wanted to see if she was okay, you know, with me talking about it. And she was super excited. Like she. <laughs> you know, told me her history with it and then was like, wait, now I want to hear all about how you got into both of these things. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted the the little, you know, the little blurb uh, that she had texted me, you know, at the end of, of the day, I thought was perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, she said, like, she thought that it made sense that fiber and kink go so perfectly together. And she said, it's also been surprising in my friend group how when I started talking about um, kink, how many of them were closed off to it, and now how many are starting to gain some interest. Mm. And they're seeing it as a bodily expression. And it can be about sex and pain, but it can also be about healing and meditation and experiencing true vulnerability and trust. Mm. And I was just like, mm, yeah. <laughs> can you can you come live over here yeah. and do do kinky knitting things with me? Um, the dream. But so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's just, and, and now too, like just being able to look at her work and like knowing more about the person behind it is, and like knowing that we like share this little, you know, we're, we have this thing in common. It's just so much fun. Um, so I'm I was super excited and loved seeing her show up in my feed, both yeah. in her weavings and when she's in rope. <laughs> yeah, it's cool because I also noticed that shift happening a little bit in her feed recently where I was like, cool, I don't know if this is like a new thing for her, if this is just like a new a new like way of, sh of sharing it for her, but I was like, this is cool, I like where this is going. <laughs> yeah, so good. Uh, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited we finally made this happen me and too. I I got here. <laughs> me too. You've just listened to episode 32 of the Close Knit Podcast. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends so that we can reach more people in the fiber arts community. Thanks so much for tuning in. Till next time.